Friends, welcome back. This is our third lesson in a series of lessons, How to Surf the Tao. And for this one, we're looking at chapters 15, 20, and 67. And really for today's show, we're going to be talking about this really difficult question about how a person of tranquility, a sage, a Tao surfer, can engage the world in a way that's helpful, but not overbearing, in a way that is active at times, but not overly frantic. That's the game. But what we're looking at, especially for this lesson, is how the sage appears. That is, what is their demeanor? How do they act in public? How do they act when they're by themselves? It's not just a question that we'll talk about later about virtue or even another question later we're going to talk about when they strike, you know, when they have to, to make a move, when they have to do something that's yang as they've been resting in the, the uh, yin mode. But today we're just going to talk about how, especially in times of strife and discord, how do we comport ourselves? I hope you'll join us for the whole thing because we're going to learn a lot. Let's go. So, Stacy, what's going on? With, with what are we after for this lesson? Yeah, I mean, I see this lesson is basically uh, looking at the very various characteristics, or, or as we sometimes say, like the marks of what it what it. You know, you can't really say here's a formula, you know, for the the perfect description of a sage or a Tao surfer, uh, but that it's easier to kind of say here's how this person would act, and here's how we see this lived out in real life circumstances. The person running around like they've got their hair on fire probably doesn't get it. Right. They're not surfing the Tao, and I'm, that's me a lot. I'm a spaz, right? So for us, the Tao surfers again are these almost archetypal figures in this text that may not have been historical, but there's this ideal person, the person who comports themselves well, a right. person that has a certain kind of dignity uh, as, they, as they go through life. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how you know somebody is wise, maybe somebody that you want to have mentor you or to be an ally with you in, in life's struggles. Yeah, there is. <laughs> this is a little off topic a tiny bit because this is the, the how you don't act, but it was just a, a recent experience that I had that I was waiting for a parking space. I had my blinker on and, you know, I was, you know, waiting and it was an older gentleman that was pulling out of the space. And so it was taking a little longer and there was this lady who came up behind me and she just was so upset. Like she did not want to wait for a single second. And so she did the, you know, wailing on her horn thing to kind of, I guess, just get me riled up thinking, oh, I guess I got to move, you know, but I knew she could move around me. Anyway, and finally, when she was able to get into the spot area that she wanted, uh, you know, she's even screaming from her window of her car, like, I can't you know, I can't get where I want, you know, whatever. And then, you know, she's like going and throwing some food away in a, in a trash uh, can or whatever and screaming the whole time. And I was thinking, well, whatever is going on in her life, like this little distraction of her not moving quick enough to, you know, or making me move quick enough or whatever, getting in this parking spot, like there's definitely something that she's going through that has, it's Definitely not connected to me only, right? Like, I'm not the cause of, you know, her all of her pain. First of all, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, rethinking the situation. Did I do something wrong? <laughs> you know, and I'm, no, I'm just literally with my blinker waiting for somebody else. And, and I guess sometimes, you know, we don't have time to wait for folks. Uh, or at least she certainly didn't think she had any. And mm. anyway, there's obviously things going on in her life that, um, are causing her pain or frustration, probably a lack of control in certain areas. I'm sure, I mean, everything that we've got going on in general in society right now, people all feel out of control. Yeah. And so obviously she's not, at that moment at least, she was not surfing the Tao. Uh, but that was an obvious example of somebody that when you get that frantic over just this tiny little piece of something not going exactly as you might hope or whatever that when you flail about you know it's, it's almost more felt like a 
temper tantrum. I think mm-hmm. I think Aiden even said, "What are we six? <laughs> you yeah, know, because right. like, Aiden was with me, right? But anyway, um, and and I think it's you know that's one of the things too is that somebody that is you know serving the Tao or whatever doesn't have to get personally involved in her franticness because the Tao surfer does not get baited into the madness, but it's so easy. Even if you're flowing and somebody can pull you right out of it. Oh, it's easy. Yes. It can, you know, if you're not careful, then you really, you know, that's why you have to sort of keep in mind that is this about me? No, you know, but anyway, so mom kept her cool. I (laughs) want to tell a story to kind of set this up um, about something going on in my world that kind of helps to illustrate how Stacy did surf the Tao and I lost my cool. And, and, oh, and yep. don't get me wrong. I yep. often don't serve the down, so I don't yeah. want no, just this, to this week. You pulled it off, right? Like you, you in know. this one instance, yeah. yes. Um, but before I do read, or be, before I do talk about my, mm-hmm. you know, ex- experience related to trying to surf the Tao and other people pulling me out of that Tao space, um, I want to talk about uh, chapter fifteen, and I'm going to read this. This is my favorite of the chapters in terms of just the, the beauty of it. I just, I love this chapter for all of its lush imagery. And in many ways it helps because I can get these visual pictures that will explain some of these other very, very theoretical, it seems at times, very, very philosophical chapters. This one is what that philosophy does for a person's behavior in the world. Mm-hmm. The, the, the way they just flow through Life. Here it is. Lao Tzu, chapter 15. The ancient Tao surfers were keen, deep, and inexpressibly artful. There is no way to fathom their wisdom. All we can really do is describe how they appeared. They were careful, as when crossing an icy stream, conscientious, as if always being seen, respectful as trekkers, hiking through private land, elegant and yielding like a melting icicle in the morning sun, natural as unfinished wood, wide open like a valley, which lets muddy floodwaters tussle its landscape, then lets the silt settle in clarified streams. Then it stirs up still pools once again, reawakening life. Tao surfers don't care about riches, since they don't hoard wealth, they stay low-key. Thus, they're reborn to the world and ease into maturity, feeling younger than they've ever been. Now, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, there is. But that's what we want to be. I mean, that's, that's the kind of demeanor we want to cultivate. A couple things that I, I, I find uh, especially interesting there is that idea of the unfinished wood, mm. that you're open. You're open to being um, created into something that fits the circumstances, you're, you're, you're natural so that you can thrive. Mm-hmm. I like this idea of walking through private land. I'm thinking here of those places where you have the right of ingress and egress. So, you know, maybe I'm fishing and I'm in Montana and I can go up and down a stream, but I have the right to go up and down that stream, but I'm passing through somebody else's overall land. If I do this, I want to be respectful. I don't want to get shot by, let's say, <laughs> a hunter... But it's, it's just, I'm respectful. And if you were to catch a glimpse of me, mm-hmm. you'd say, that guy respects my space. You know, he, yeah. he's bold. He's, he's kind of cool. He's chilling out and going across the stream. But he's doing so not as some punk that I'm, that I'm making a scene or I'm splashing stuff up or I'm causing commotion. I'm natural. I'm, sp- I'm, I'm flowing with that river. I'm, I'm quiet. You yeah. know, I'm not obnoxious. It's the, like, don't leave any trace behind kind of thing. It's yeah. the everywhere that you go, yes, that you, it's not, I'm entitled to be here at this spot so I can do whatever I want with it. Break my, break my beer bottles at my free camping spot, but I clean it up a little bit. You right. Know, and and the things. same thing to even, you know, if it was somebody's private land, would they want you smashing their bushes or do you stay on the pathway and that kind of thing and, and respect, <laughs> although, you know, the greenery and everything that's around you, right? And you don't trample on it. And the bit about not caring about riches, you get that even just with the way somebody appears. Are they presenting themselves with conspicuous consumption? Are they trying to show you that they're more powerful than you because of the car they drive or what they're wearing or their watch or something like that? Mm-hmm. So this is not just about you know being modest financially or, or frugal. That's part of it. 
and we'll see that in another chapter. But here I'm thinking about it as somebody who doesn't um, doesn't try to put themselves above others with this demonstration of power from what they're wearing or, or what they're purchasing or what they're using. Uh, so there's a lot of things. What do you notice here? Anything else that... I would say the one, especially at the time when I was thinking about this chapter, I believe it was for when I was doing the reflection on it, but the conscientious, conscientious as if always being seen. And at the time or somewhere along the line, I had heard, and it was, I think it was regarding a politician, but said, oh, well, what they do in the privacy of their own home is not a judge of their character. And I was, I was so appalled by hearing this being said that of course what they're doing in the privacy of their own home is a better judge of somebody's character than what they do outside of their home and when they think they're being watched. And the the fact that the you know the sage or the Tao surfer would the way that they express themselves is going to be the same whether they're nobody's looking or whether you know or whether somebody is. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be two different people, and it's not. I act one way around somebody and another way, you know. I, and when we have all these different masks or yeah. these faces that we put on for different circles of, of people, it yeah. just it, that can be. Uh, so exhausting, right? Yeah, like, and we all we all do it a little bit, but to 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 not be in that zone where you have like here's the work me, hey everybody, right. how's it going? And then there's the real you, just pissed off and lonely or something and like then, those. Are and two. then here's the church me, I'm going to get all yep. cleaned up, you know. Yep. So yeah, I think that 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 really stood out to me that you know obviously the the character that they have is who they are through and through. Mm-hmm. They're sincere. Authentic, you know, the authenticity. There's a consistency, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, it's hard, right? Because it takes, it takes courage, and we'll talk about courage. But let me tell you the story that got me off track, because I wasn't elegant and yielding like a melting icicle <laughs> in the morning sun. Okay. okay? I uh, was at a conference, and I went to one of the, uh, the conservative Lutheran seminaries. This one was in, is in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this was, this was several years ago, maybe a decade ago. And I... You know, I'd always joked a little bit about the idea that there was, um, you know, a, a seemed to me a, a pretty significant portion of um, toleration. There was a, there was a there was a significant problem of toleration of uh, racism within the the kind of German Lutheran ethos that was not true for everybody, and there were many people that decried it. But it was it just seemed to me one of the few places that I've been you know, in evangelicalism or, you know, non-denominational world, the Presbyterians, you know, I just was a little nervous about it because, you know, it's a heavily German, you know, kind of descent church, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so when I got there, I met this particular um, uh, professor and this professor uh, pointed out this student, grad student from Latin America and he said, this guy's stupid, and the only reason they let him in was because, uh, because he's a person of color. And he probably didn't say person of color, but be- be- because uh, of his ethnicity or something. Mm-hmm. He was a token hire, or a, he was a token um, uh, accept into the program. And I thought, surely this must have been kind of an inside joke, like they were really good friends, and obviously that's not true. He was maybe the smartest guy there, and they were just kind of teasing me, mm. because obviously, ironically... You wouldn't, like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't actually say be that saying for this, real. would you? You, know? you wouldn't say yeah. that for real. And so, um, I had never met this guy before, and he was kind of famous in, in my world, you know, though like, I don't really travel in the inside circles of the Lutheran world. And I... Uh, I think I, I think if I recall correctly, I said "f you." Um, you can't say that. And he said, um, "Well, his people used they, they, his people worship the sun," referring to maybe his like in, indigenous uh, heritage, you know, with uh, uh, Mayan or something. And um, and uh, and I didn't have time to ask; I was so perplexed. Um, and I said, "Well, well, dude, your people worship the sun too." He said, yeah, but we quit that 500 years earlier. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess. Like, is this, are we really having this conversation at a place that's training pastors? This is a real deal. And this is a, this is a conversation, I'm telling you, Stacey, that I normally wouldn't want to share because 
this is a serious allegation. Yeah. But he said it in public. Mm-hmm. And he said it. So, you know, it's not libel or slander. If you want to talk about it, I'll, I'll be glad to be deposed and ask the question, why is that tolerated? Mm-hmm. But I figure there's always that guy that's like pushing the envelope. And I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying I guess. But, but the point was that when he said that this guy's people like worship the sun, and I, when I got to realizing that he was actually putting this guy down as not worthy of being at the Lutheran seminary and that the only reason he was there, and maybe he was a terrible student for all I know, I don't know, right? But for him to call out his ethnicity publicly Mm -hmm. in a way that I thought was a joke, but wasn't a joke, or at least the kid was never told that that this was a Mm -hmm. joke. And by a kid, I mean a guy who's in grad school. Right. I got so upset, I couldn't finish anything else. And, you know, I'm here, I'm at a seminary, I'm cussing. And then I grabbed a beer, slammed that down, and went to my room and said, screw it, forget all this. But I wasn't there, and this is my point, that's not what I see in chapter 15. Mm-hmm. I lost, I lost it. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I, and I partly lost it because I realized it was that, that terrifying feeling where I'm going, oh, I thought that they were just kind of mildly insensitive Mm-hmm. You know, or, or racist by, des, not design, but because this is an immigrant church with, with a lot of, you know, people with German heritage, and maybe eventually we're working to get, get you know, more mm-hmm. diversity in or something. No, this guy was actively mocking moves towards diversity. So, I didn't fight the good fight. He won. He turned me into a bitter little ball of bitterness. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was 10 years ago. It happened again. I thought for sure. I thought for sure that this was um, a prank. I thought somebody was pranking something because the folks at the Lutherans for Racial Justice, they set up a, um, uh, you know, one of those petitions on change.org, and it's a call for racial justice reformed, uh, reform in the Lutheran Church, and they've got, you know, 6,800 people that have signed it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad there's 6,800 people that have signed it because early on I was getting a little nervous. People seemed afraid to sign a statement that said, you know, we need to examine and to address the systematic racism within our church body, mm-hmm. okay? Which, by the way, I'm not here to argue it, is obviously the case. I'm not saying every, I'm a Lutheran, right? You're a Lutheran, okay? We're not saying everybody within it is a bad person or is a white nationalist or whatever. We're saying that I know for a fact that there are white nationalists that are kind of vocal about it in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and we're just simply saying, as we signed it, I signed it, um, we're just saying, we think this should be addressed. Right. We think we, this needs to be condemned. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a nuanced question. It's not a complicated question. We say, of course, this is true, right? Well, then out comes this, the counter petition that has like almost 1,500 votes now. And this is save the LCMS from radical race ideology before it's too late. So in other words, instead of saying, you know... 6,000 plus people think that we might have a problem here. They said, ah, somebody has corrupted us. Now let's get together and fight against these, you know, not many voices with the, proportionally, there's not a lot of people raising, you know, the banner for, uh, you know, anti-racism within this mm-hmm. church body. Mm-hmm. And, um, but apparently this is such a big deal. This is, this is so offensive that a group of people got together and they, they did a, they did a, a, um, a counter petition saying, no, we need to stop this w- racial ideology. And I'll explain it, though. The reason I thought it was a joke, okay, <laughs> is because this group is called Lash. So when you're, talking to, no, when you're talking about racial issues in America, and I'm only laughing because, because like, this is either uh, an accident it's bullying, or I thought, surely this is a joke, right? Like, this is making right. fun like of racists. Some sort of satire yeah. or something. No, it's not satire. They really right. call their organization LASH, which stands for Lutherans Against Secular Humanism. LASH. So, you know what I don't want to hear? Do you know the sound I don't want to hear when we're talking about whether or not you've been a little too tolerant of racism and violence against black people in America? I don't want to hear about lashes, mm-hmm. okay? So, that is just tone deaf on its own, or... They knew dang well what they're doing. Oh, you can see my blood boiling a little bit, right? (laughs) See my blood boiling. Mm -hmm. Here's what they wrote. (laughs) Try not to laugh or cry at the same time. Radical groups such as Lutherans for Racial Justice are destroying the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod from the inside. 
by urging Lutherans to confess that they are guilty of systematic racism because of the color of their skin and religion, and teaching redemption through critical race theory, a direct descendant of Marxism. Now, this is hilarious because they're just going to the old playbook, but they're not even like, they're not cagey about it. Mm -hmm. They're saying, ah, if you want to call out racism, we're just going to label you a Marxist. Yeah. So there you go. You're neo-Marxist. Well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know that to be true. I didn't sign it because I'm a neo-Marxist. I signed it because obviously you should sign it. Mm-hmm. Or at least you should applaud it. Right, <laughs> right, right. Do we want racism in the Lutheran church? No. Yeah, dang commie. Right. Okay, so this is like this McCarthyism in this Lutheran body. And then um, Lash is dedicated to standing up against the neo-Marxist ideologues. We welcome anyone who can help us in that cause. This, uh, this group is a place where we can call out, our, out their fallacies. This is a private Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Discuss ideas for defending our faith. And exchange information sounds very sinister. This is an ideological. I mean, yes, it is ideological critique, mm-hmm. but it's not saying here. Let's we're gonna you know in, enter into this you know um, very uh, radical indoctrinating feminist um, you know left wing movement. You know that's the thing that gets all the the folks scared. Mm-hmm. Scared of what? Scared of th- essentially calling things like they seem. Well, right. right. As well as, um, you know, some people, you know, want to hold on to whatever little advantage or power that they think that they have in society. So, um, so just a couple things. Generally, when people are talking about systematic racism, they're just talking about how the structures might be set up that disadvantage a certain group of people that you don't realize. This doesn't mean that everybody who has white skin is bad. This right. is this is this is just not paying attention. That's not what they're saying. Whiteness is said to be a problem if whiteness means that the that the European this kind of construct of European colonial domination is the story of victory. That is God's story. This European Christendom conquering the world, exploiting Africa, Barbados, Hawaii, the the, the you know the Western right. um, the Western Hemisphere. The idea that this idea of whiteness is the idea of the dominator society saying that these other people need us to come in and and kind of subjugate them for their own good. Mm-hmm. That's because they know better. Yeah, right. And so, and these, this is, or so you they know, think they yeah, know. right. <laughs> Obviously, this is the white man's burden. You know, we're going to bring soap and Jesus to Africa. We're going to have our manifest destiny. That stuff is um, is uh, is a false religion. This is the religion of whiteness. It's a real thing. It's sin. It's a heresy. Being a pale-skinned person doesn't make you bad. Being ideologically supportive of this idea of civilization dominating, when the Bible very clearly is trying to get people out of the domination system, whether it's Abraham leaving Ur of the Chaldees, or whether it's the people of Israel under Moses leaving the dominator uh, of, of the Pharaoh, or people getting back to the land from the Babylonian captivity, or getting out from under Rome, which comes to crush, you know, Israel. There's always the, there's the powers, and then there's the people of the kingdom of God. And there's other people. There's actual Marxists, right? Like, there's, there's actual Marxists who buy into the, the worship of mammon and say, well, we want to share it. And then there's this Christian thing, which is an alternative kingdom altogether. So, just because if a, if a, if a Christian criticizes a certain aspect of capitalism or a Christian uh, criticizes a certain um, racist structure mm-hmm. and exploitative structure, that doesn't make them a neo-Marxist. They might even be using neo-Marxist um, concepts, but uh, we do this all the time. There are various people that have developed concepts and tools and, and, and critical thought. Um, and anyway, so what the main thing is, this is so bald-faced outlandishly dumb. Okay. And I'll say it's dumb. And from my, this is how I'm responding to this. This is something that is frightening to me that this is at least something that more than a thousand people thought was worth uh, signing on to in my church body, which, you know, and what do I have to do about it? So what I do is I freak out and I'll say something on Facebook or I'll, or I'll I'll call people to repentance and I'm angry, Mm -hmm. we angry. But I don't want to raise my voice, and I don't want to, in many ways, despise these people. I promise you, I look, I look at some of the people involved, and I say, I despise these people. Right. They, are, they are hurting people. That's one of the reasons. But at the other, on the other hand, 
I, I then found that this hate created a heat in me. It created a hate in me. It created an anxiety in me, mm-hmm. it, frustration. I wanted to lash out, and that was not healthy. Right. So, Stacey, what I want to know is... Well, what, a couple yeah, things yeah. <laughs> before we move on. I, I do want to mention that just in, is in general, um, you know, one huge tool for manipulation, because, you know, we talk about outfoxing religious wolves and things, mm-hmm. right, is, the, is sort of, you know, some of the, the, the main theme here that we look at overall. Yeah. And when people stop listening and just label and just throw a word out there and yeah. and often maybe a word that has seemed scary to society yeah. or you know threatening you know, in the past neo marxists infecting the kids in the in the colleges i guess you know that's weird well and i'm thinking you know for me like with you know just the first thing that stands out in there is marxist you know yeah. and it's like Ooh, that's like <laughs> all the, that's the end of the world when i was a kid in the 80s right and kill so, a commie for your mommy i mean it's like better than you know Better dead than red. These guys are coming to get us. And so it, it, it is a huge tactic that is often used is throwing some kind of word at a whole group or something. And, and when you've stopped listening to what people are saying, right? Mm-hmm. It's poisoning you, the well. Don't trust anything they say because they're neo-Marxists. And you think you already have it all summed up in your, in your mind about what's going on. And so, again, you stop listening. So I think it's very important just, you know, if... On while we're on our own paths in life, uh, be a little careful when somebody's just throwing out a label at somebody, mm-hmm. and do your own research. Watch, is, yeah, watch how these people are. You know who, yeah. you know maybe you know who, what really is going on, and if if they accurately do describe what's happening, and you find that to be a problem, then fine, then you can join yeah. that cause. But if they're throwing out, you know the this you know kind of more emotional, scary stuff, you know. <laughs> Look into it, and if it doesn't have teeth, it's not real. Then you know, obviously, they're trying to manipulate folks. Yeah, and and I would say then it's it's through you know then how do you how do you address that? Because I also think if there there is a way that you know when we I think if you get all riled up in the anger and then and you you know spew out something that is sort of hateful, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, now we have a fight, and right. this is what they actually and sometimes are looking for. They're trying to troll. You know? They're trying to bait me into that. And yeah. so there are things that should be done and can be said, mm-hmm. but yet, you know, I would say that Lao Tzu would say, let's, you know, how can we do this and still sort of make you untouchable, right? You're not the one reacting all hot-headed and, right. and heated, right? That you could be the voice of, you know, wisdom. And yes, you pull your you pull your ego out of the equation. Mm-hmm. It's not about you being offended by this because because being a dowser for a sage isn't just somebody that will just you know put up with stuff and and allow injustice to happen, right? Like they're not just a, you know we're gonna, we'll just stay out of it, right? And we'll let the world do its thing. I don't no, that's not it either. You know, it's you're in the flow, so you can see clearly what's going on here. And you act when you need to act in the way you should act. And you help yeah. bring the light, you know, bring, right. bring a, a voice of reason into, um, you know, the whole, you know, situation or whatever. And it, so it's not an ignoring of bad things or, you know, what's not right about the world. But what should, what should I do, Stacey? How can the Tao Te Ching help me to maybe engage this stuff without being more of a problem than a solution. I want to be a solution, baby. I want, I want to answer that question by moving on to a different chapter. However, before we leave this chapter, I do want to point out one thing, uh, the, the part about wide open. This is in 15. In chapter 15, um, where Lao Tzu says that, you know, and again, in describing how a Tao Surfer sage would appear, it's wide open like a valley which lets muddy floodwaters tussle its landscape, and then lets the silt settle in clarified streams. Mm. Part of that is, you know, wide open, like why? You, you, can, you can be accepting and letting even what might muddy the waters, what might come in and maybe be a little bit toxic, right? Knowing right. that if you, um, it, their toxicity doesn't necessarily have to rub off on you unless you let it. And so we don't have to be afraid of, the storm comes, the if, flood comes. If you see somebody coming and and they're asking you for advice and you know that you're totally opposed to the way that this person thinks, 
having a conversation with them is not going to then turn you into this unusable, like, you know, dirtiness, right? That that might come into the space, but it's the Dow surfer's ability to bring that reason and bring the the proper, you know, care in the whole situation that will then be, that will be infectious and clarify the entire stream. And I love that image of sort of being that voice of reason, that voice of, um, you know, just again, clarity. Yeah. Like in the case of the seminary, there was muddy water that came my way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I flailed about, I cussed, I punched out emotionally, didn't necessarily do anything good. They didn't walk they out probably, a better they, person for but it. But I'm thinking, had I been able to sit there and let the waters settle for a second and then say, Professor so-and-so, I find it odd that you would say that in public. Do you really mean it? You know? And then right. say, do you say, do you, and can, and ask a question, can you imagine being in this student's shoes? How would that make them feel welcome or not welcome within this church body? And also, and is this the nature of Christ's message? Right. And the idea too, of even saying, this is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So let them, right. You know, correct you if for some right. reason, I'm hearing, yeah, what, what you, if they're like, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Well, then you know who they are, right? But there's, there's very little chance that I would have converted this person at that moment. But you can have the moral high ground, the 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 high ground to be able to 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 move towards a clarifying of the situation, you know. And then even to, for me to say, I'm fundamentally opposed to your mission, right? And I'm here to dismantle it. That wouldn't be. A problem, according to this text, what is, is where I just make a fool of myself and, and, and run off in, in horror. Right, right. Now you, yeah, right. <laughs> At the same time, I think there's a worst thing is to go, ha, 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 that's right, buddy. You gotcha. <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, it's not like, it's not like the worst decision. But asking, asking somebody the questions and then when, depending on how they answer, and then even saying, you do realize that this is the implications mm. of what you are saying then, you know, yeah. just some of... Those kinds of things. And if they're yeah. like, huh, I didn't think of it that way, maybe perhaps you could help them come along. And, and make them articulate how this fits with the mission of Christ. And Right. And, and then again, you, I absolutely, if, if they still are going with it, I absolutely disagree. And you can make your points and say, you know, here's what, I've, what I have seen you know, Jesus say. Here's what, what I've read in, in my New Testament and you know, whatever. You but know? without the flailing, use the Jesus without the flailing. Right, and you now, know? you know, then they would have to sort of say, well, I am now opposing Jesus, and they'd really have to kind of wrestle that. Otherwise, now they're opposing you that are clearly upset and lost control, so they don't care about opposing you, right? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but move on to uh, a, an excerpt of chapter 67. I'm not going to read the entire thing, um, most of it, though. I have three treasures. I will always hold dear. The first is compassion. The second is minimalism. And the third is unpretentiousness. Compassion leads to boldness. Minimalism leads to enough abundance to be generous. Unpretentiousness leads to opportunities for greatness. Boldness without compassion. Generosity without minimalism, and greatness without unpretentiousness all lead to death. Fight evil with compassion. Stand your ground with compassion. Heaven rescues and protects through compassion. Yeah. So when, you know, I... I, you know, I'm thinking about this situation and, and something even as, you know, as horrific as what you heard... Uh, when you were at that that moment that you got us so angry, there are people that you know they feel weak and small already, uh, and and they feel sometimes that what's being asked of them is to even lose what little bit of mm-hmm. power they think they might even you know wield in society. Mm-hmm. So in this case, like maybe there's a pastor, they feel like. They're told about all this privilege that they have, but they can't pay their bills. They're told about all this privilege that they have, and they got student loans. Mm-hmm. They're not able to pay it off. They're not relevant the way they used to be in society. They're mocked on the media. 
You know, you what know. if they were in the past turned down for jobs because, yeah. you know, like other people got it and, and they're, you know, worried about how am I even going to support, you know, my family. This isn't trying to excuse no. people, but this is to say, all right, what's going on here? What's the sickness mm-hmm. that needs healing? And, you know, the, the, the power, <laughs> the power part where even it says, uh, unpretentiousness leads to opportunities for greatness, right? Yeah. When you think you deserve something, when you feel like this is my, you know, my birthright. Yeah. And this is what I deserve. And you're not getting it. And you're not getting it. That, again, is one of the things that apparently leads to death because you mm. are fighting against yourself. You're, you know, you're, that's not how to really find, mm. you know, that real way to be in society, right? You're, you're, thinking here, I own this sort of level that mm-hmm. I should be able to maintain, if not, you know, maybe even get higher, not ever lower. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's, it, the problem with all of it is the us versus them mentality. It's that I need to get what's mine and you're not even looking at whether somebody else has anything that they can call theirs. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me versus you. In fact, when it says here, with the minimalism leads to enough abundance to be generous, when we aren't just hoarding all of this stuff, you find that there's often more to be, you know, shared and more, more that can go around. Let's collaborate. Right. Let's let's do this together. Let's take care of each other together. Let's take care of our world together. And there's parks and beaches and museums and fireworks and music and joy and dancing. This is one way to do it in the middle of Santa Fe, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in, in Savannah, Georgia. There are places you can go and experience that joy of meeting other people and sharing the joy of existence. You could also go and be angry. You could also say, this is my space. What are these immigrants doing in my space? Mm-hmm. You know, why are these people, you know, uh, taking my jobs or something that, uh, like, these women are taking jobs that they're only hired because they're women, and I'm lowly and I'm nothing. And that self-loathing comes out sometimes as an attack on others. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it pleasant. Sometimes in compassion, we need to shut it down. But yeah, I'm with you. Well, on that. and I love the the compassion leads to boldness because, and then it mentions. And again, boldness without compassion leads to death because when, when you have, when you know that something is not okay, but when compassion is the driving force when you're approaching this, then people can sense that, that sincerity in you, your care for another in, in that, right? And, and when it's just, if it's just boldness or it doesn't have any kind of, you know, the compassion and love behind it, then now you're just, again, being a bully or uh, you're out for control or kind well, of a, you know, like... If I go on a, if I go on a tirade on, online and say that these, these people with lash are, are backwoods bumpkins, mm-hmm. which they sound like, okay, I could mm-hmm. like, I do this, I could like make them sound like these guys are uneducated uh, oafs. Okay. And, and, and then they go, oh, well, there's just malice and being an elitist. Uh, and, the, and the real question is, is, you go and do that, and what purpose would it serve? Is it ever going to change their mind? No, it re-entrenches them. So if you, you, know, if you think about, well, why am I posting this? I, I love our dear friend, uh, Heather Davis. You know, there's been a few times where, because things you know, get heated up in general just in social media and everything, and she's always kind of been a good voice of saying, you know, let's let's be calm here. Yes, let's take calm things those down. Idea. And then how do we bring, you know, something fruitful and helpful to the conversation? But Heather's not weak sauce. No. Yeah. You know, it's she, not about not she's getting involved. It's she's not bold, about yeah. it's but how can we really be a part of the solution, not adding to the noise? You know, I always try to think of when I'm gonna do something, would will that actually help the situation? Will that produce the outcome that I'm hoping to achieve? Mm-hmm. And if it, if it doesn't, then now you're just a noisy gong. Here's the fun part. So boldness without compassion, you said that. If you are going to state things clearly, but if there's no love there, then you're a clinging gong, mm-hmm. as Paul would say, or a, a clashing symbol. Mm-hmm. Generosity without minimalism, that is, we share, but we're not excessive. I think one of the problems with you know, a lot of the debate in America is a lot of it just assumes that mammon's right. 
a lot of it assumes that the way of uh, you know, basically enslavement to the economy and making money and financial success is, of course, a given. And the only question is, how are we going to uh, chop that piece of pie right. up? Right. Who's going to get a piece of it? What it's saying here is generosity. Yeah. So generosity without minimalism, that's like, uh, I don't know, that's then like the Soviet Union or Cuba's Castro or whatever, where where you're still buying into the idea that money and production and all that is really important. This isn't the way of Jesus, which says, hey, I'm going to step out of that kind of way of thinking altogether. Right. Well, you know, and I, I'm kind of reminded of, there was somebody that, <laughs> that at one point during when, when all the COVID stuff was like starting to ramp up in America. And I don't know, I had heard a story that somebody bought up a whole bunch of hand sanitizer and like filled like a whole like storage with yeah. it. Right. Yeah. And eventually it got found out and they ended up having to just sort of like disperse it, but they couldn't make any money off of there. I think they were trying to hoard it to gouge so they can yeah, gouge and, and sell it for hire. It just turned into a huge debacle that they realized where this shipment went. And then they went and I think confiscated it. But it, so it, if that person even in so-called giving it away, yeah. Would that have been generous at the time when they, okay, I'm not going to make any money off this hand sanitizer. I'm just now going to give it to the hospitals, right? Mm-hmm. Would that be real generosity? No. That was sort of a forced yeah. check yeah. on right. their evil ways, right? right? When, they, when they finally got them caught, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that's not real generosity. Now, Definitely, if, yeah. if you have one bottle of sanitizer and you offer it to your, your grandma because she might need it more, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a generosity there, right? I'm not saying that you have to do that, but I'm just saying there is a generosity there when you're sharing out of, you know, out of the goodness of your heart and what you just want to do for another person rather than, well, I've got five bottles, so I know I'm only going to need three. I'll give you two. Yeah, and at a practical level, at the individual level, you know, we can't give more than we can afford. We can't, you know, you can't get into this thing where you're you're donating to the televangelist, but your kids don't have uh, have lunch. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. But also generosity without minimalism at the level of the state. You know, um, you can't have social programs that you can't afford through your revenue. So you can't you run things into debt. So you've got to find a way to balance, to balance it. it. Yeah. What I really like though is a greatness without unpretentiousness leads to death, but that it assumes that unpretentiousness, and this is the, the prior stanza, leads to opportunities for greatness. The Tao surfer isn't weak. The Tao surfer isn't disengaged. The Tao surfer doesn't take what um, some Catholics are talking about as the Benedict option from uh, Alistair McIntyre's book, After Virtue, which I find to be a helpful book, but it's this idea of, all right, there's this world that's going to hell in a handbasket. We're just going to go retreat until it blows over. Sometimes that is how Lao Tzu's uh, philosophy is characterized. But here, there is a sense in which you can be great. Mm -hmm. You're not being great for your ego to be exalted, but once you allow your ego to be put aside and these other issues, you don't need tons of money, what can you be? Authentic, genuine, Mm -hmm. sincere. You can be a person of integrity. And when you finally get to that spot, you can be the right person at the right time to confront evil right. and that momentous opportunity when it matters, yeah. right? And, and, and that happens to us in, in various aspects of our lives. It might just be, are you going to turn the tide of a culture of a high school mm-hmm. and you're an assistant principal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we've said this before too, where you know, often the person that has the, the qualities and the characteristics that would be best to lead or is the person you want in charge, not just the person that was hungry for the power and the position. Yeah. Or had the most <laughs> you know? yeah, extroverted but, characteristics. And then on a smaller scale where I see that coming into play, uh, you know, we won't always, you know, draw biblical references, but where it talks about in the Bible, you don't want to be the person that shows up to the wedding feast and sits at the the high table, you know, the right. you know the the reserved the, the, yeah, tables, yeah, yeah. right? And then you know, then somebody's got to move you. They've got to come tell you. Table. Sorry, yeah, yeah, you you belong over here. Instead, you are less assuming, and then it, that person says, "No, no, no, wait a minute. This person needs to come up here and be at the high table with with me," and and that's a far 
more comfortable spot to be in than everybody kind of looking around. What do we do with you? Because you're at the top and you're not supposed to be there. And that's where grandma's supposed to sit now. (laughs) You know, like, how do we get rid of this person? And how humiliating Mm -hmm. when you thought that that was actually a rightful place and it's not where you belonged <laughs> you know anyway or as so. jesus brother says i'm not going to apologize for biblical references in our lao tzu uh, year that's all right our lao tzu season um humble thyself in the sight of the lord and he will lift you up is that famous line from james mm-hmm. four ten? you know mm-hmm. humble yourself before the lord and he will exalt you and um and i think that whether or not you believe in the lord mm-hmm. it actually works out naturally for the most part that that's the way it goes now people say yeah 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 but sometimes bad people come to power yeah a lot of times bad people come to power Mm -hmm. they also end up in ditches covered in gasoline like hitler right like sometimes Mm -hmm. you live by the sword you die by the sword Mm -hmm. and so there's a there is a way in which this healing mannerism this uh this calm greatness Mm -hmm. of the Tao surfer is heroic for our times so i think what i love about chapter 20 Mm-hmm, which is, is it, where we're going next. Here. Yeah, is that this is probably in the way that it paints like the most vivid picture in my mind. And I think mm. I would love it if you would read. May I? Yes, Please, this thank you. chapter. 67 is what the Tao surfer looks like in the ancient past. You see the mist coming by and you see the Tao, Tao surfer, you know, with a staff <laughs> walking across a field. Oh, that's really cool. That's very groovy. They right? have such compassion. They're standing the ground. There. Chapter 20, though, is what the, uh, and that was 15, rather. Yeah, that was 15. Uh, so 20 is what the Tao surfer looks like to others. And other people think the Tao surfer looks dumb. Okay, <laughs> they so here can, we go. right? Yeah, so here, here's how it goes. Stop overthinking. Let your worries go. It doesn't matter if popular opinion goes this way or that way. In the end, there's really no difference between success and failure, since we receive lessons from both. So tell me, should I fear what others fear? Don't be silly. The crowd is getting rowdy, and they're heading for a party. They want to get drunk and get laid. But I lounge around, as if I didn't get the invitation. I'm like a newborn who hasn't even learned to smile yet. I must seem like a foundling who's now drifting about like a vagabond. Most men try to hoard their excess, but I leave everything behind. They think I must be an idiot. Dumbass, they sneer. The crowd is glamorous, but I seem common. Everyone else is a player. They think I don't have game. But I'm just floating on the ocean swells. Surfing the Tao, whichever way it flows. Others chase success. I must seem strange. I simply receive the blessings that are already here, like a suckling infant. Well, thank you. Oh, I do like that one. <laughs> we had fun with that one. That one's fun. I would say 15 and, 15 and 20 are two of the ones that we spent the most time having fun, mm-hmm. you know, fun with those. Yeah, and so I love in this chapter this image that this town basically is hustling and bustling over this big grand party that's going to happen in this town. Mm-hmm. And there's one the person scene. that seems like they just didn't, they have no, it, almost as if they don't know what's going on, that they that they are maybe from out of town because if they actually were living there, they of course would be hustling and bustling like the rest of them, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like that, that image of, I didn't, you know, that they didn't get the invitation, I think is perfect. And, and they're like thinking, oh, this person is just so, you know, common, so simple that they're not even trying to get ready for this, this big, you know, this big party, this big event. And, and I think the, the point is, is that there is the, the, the sage, the Tao server, they're, they aren't in the throes of, what is going on and all of the, you know, the hustle and bustle and the worries and the, you know, all of it, like buying into all of it. They just sort of, they're outside and they, they can be almost that, you know, silent observer yeah. of the hecticness, right? Yep. Now, it doesn't mean that this person doesn't, I mean, even says they receive blessings, right? Yeah. So it's not as if, um, you know, they're like, you know, just, 
a homeless person or something like that, that, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're choosing not to play the game. And they're, they're inheritors of the wealth of all creation. Right. And so that they have actually more <laughs> than what all these people are trying to grasp at something, yeah. right? This is my little corner of the desert. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I like the part, too, where it says there's really no difference between success and failure since we receive lessons from both. And I know we probably have alluded to this a little bit before, but I think that the Tao surfer um, would recognize the message that failure offers as well, where in often society we're so afraid of failure that we almost want to like hide and cover that up. Yeah. Right. And only promote our successes and only, you know, the good things that we have to share and not realizing the valuable teacher sometimes that our failures have been. And, and I think that that's one of the things that I have um, really appreciated with our relationships with our kids is that, you know, we haven't hidden our failures. Like we've had discussions with them and talked about life because I, the last thing I would want is for them to get caught up in, in the pitfalls that we found. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, to people, um, you know, of course in everything appropriate to their age, but I think that when people are, are afraid to be um, truthful enough with their kids to point out some of their failures, it makes their parents seem like they're untouchable and that somehow they've never screwed up in life. Yeah. And a child can be so lonely when they think they've committed this failure and they don't know who to share it with because they think that like, oh, my mom and dad would just be so upset with me. And when if my child is ever at that part where they're like, I really messed up royally, I sure hope mm-hmm. that they have... Um, you know, enough ability in them to come talk to us if they need to, to help them in the situation and help them get out of it. If, you know, if that's a thing, Um, but somebody they can go to, somebody they can talk to about it. Um, And, you know, even if it's not the parent, but at least somebody in their life. But if, if they've been taught that failure isn't tolerated, Mm -hmm. they aren't going to, you know, um, well, (laughs) get the help they need probably, or definitely, um, properly be able to process all of the things that led up to that to you know keep it from happening again in the future because it's it's all about sweeping it under the rug cover it yeah. up yeah anyway yeah and that's and I think that's that's a big thing for Western culture in general mm-hmm. like we we don't know what to do with the losers but it's also true of Japan and China oh you I'm know? Okay. I mean, yeah that, some yeah. of some of Aiden's schoolmates you know they. They could not possibly bring home a B, you know, it was, that was shame. Yeah. It was terrible. You know, they, there was, you know, it's like if there was any even bad score, then it meant no, nothing social, Mm -hmm. um, outside of studying, you know, for at least a week or two. And that's a lot of pressure. And what this does though, is if you follow this way of surfing the Tao, then you, you let go of some of that unnecessary strain on your performance. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I think I read somewhere that there are times when people perform worse when they are at their home stadium in baseball. So mm. if you're pitching mm-hmm. and your mom and dad are there and everybody's there and they're counting on you and everyone's mm. cheering for you, All the pressure. there's a lot of pressure. Whereas if you're somewhere else and they're booing you, well, you just, you let go of worrying about whether you're winning or losing. You're just going to try to do your best. You do mm-hmm. your thing. So, so the, I think the burden we place on kids, burden we place on ourselves, mm-hmm. it's not Tao, mm-hmm. that is not Tao surfing, is always living in that shadow of fear, fear of the, uh, the consequences of failure. Right. And fear leads to cults. Fear leads to authoritarian regimes. Fear leads to tyranny. Mm-hmm. Fear leads to dictators. Well, the Nazis were based on fear. It was a it was a fear of losing something as mm-hmm. opposed to a joy and, and wanting to share something and the the results were horrific right well, and you think about it if you think that your you know your original or normal or your usual support network isn't going to accept you or they you you know they might be so embarrassed of your failure often when somebody feels that alone, mm. they find a different group to go to. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I think you could be more susceptible to the cults or some other, you know, either community or whatever. Maybe it's helpful, but a lot of times, usually not, you mm-hmm. know, um, that your other 
group that you know was more you know perhaps hopefully more nurturing yeah. <laughs> um, could have been there for you in a, in a real way rather than recruit you for somebody else's bidding because you have nowhere to turn one of the things I like the best about this the scene is that there are certain I'm the kind of I'm an extroverted guy mm-hmm. so if there is a party down the road I don't look like this guy. I'm like, wait, what? wait, there's like a party like, going wait, on. There's like what's going energy. on? Let me go get my roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go right over and see what's going on over there. Um, but at the same time, I do agree that um, you. It, this isn't about being an extrovert or an introvert. It's not about being the kind of person that doesn't go to a party or mm-hmm. doesn't go out right. on the town. It's about this idea that sometimes you see somebody who's just not that thrilled with it. You're like, why aren't you getting ready? And they say because this isn't something i'm interested in and that is so subversive because you're saying oh my gosh this thing that is at the center of our lives you know kind of imagine a kid that is bullied at school and everybody's you know getting all ready to go to the prom Mm -hmm. and they're not invited to the prom and they walk by somebody who's kind of a self-assured leader within the high school and there's yeah i'm not interested in it Mm mm-hmm I'm not saying you shouldn't be interested in prom. We went to prom. Mm-hmm. You and I. Yeah, two of them. We went to two proms, your prom and my prom. Because I'm like, you're older than you. So, um, but the... Um, and we went to different schools. But we could have we not. And the empowerment, the boldness that comes for the, the Dow Surfer to choose exactly what they, they value and what they're going to go to is what's going on here. So it's not about parties. It's not about the prom. It's about life in general. There's this party that everybody's getting ready for, and that is the celebration of how many toys that they accumulated before they kicked the bucket. <laughs> and there's another party that's just people sitting around and enjoying the blessings that they've already received. They're right. already in the midst of the gift. So there's nothing to hustle for. Mm-hmm. There are things that we want to plan for. There are things that we want to build as part of our art. And there are things that we need to heal and repair. But when it comes to this mad, lust-filled rage for consumption and and getting what you think you deserve in this life or what you, you know, you're going to take and everybody else that's a sucker, yeah, that's no, <laughs> not going to take I, it. I see, so, you know, probably the best illustration I can think of in my mind right now is sort of a wedding. And when the wedding is no longer about the couple actually getting married and mm-hmm. it turns into, you know, a, a flashy show of how much money, I guess, either family might have or right. or even worse is like when, you know, if the when you hear about the, the bridezillas, right? Yes. When they when you pass the point into Bridezilla, I think you've lost uh, the point of the whole you know ceremony and what yes. this what this event means in the life of you know you and and your future spouse and and so and and I would say that you know you can have groomzillas too, <laughs> but when you, when it when the couple becomes bride and groomzillas, I think that they again it's it's it it's no longer about them; it's more about all the other trappings and what that means and what they're trying to show either society or their friends or whatever. And, and so that complete meltdown because, you know, you look in the mirror and you hate your makeup or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like mm-hmm. just redo yep, it or yep, yep. take off some of the makeup. You know, maybe you didn't need any of it anyway, cause it's not about the makeup, you know, it's, it, you know, whatever that might be, you know, the, the point of these two chapters, 15 and 20 is that when they're moving about, there is a dignity a boldness and a compassion to the Tao surfer. Mm-hmm. When you're asking the social questions, are you part of this scene? Are you part of this hustle? They seem to be bums sometimes. Mm-hmm. They, they seem to the outside world to be lazy when they're not. It's just that they don't care about this particular thing. And this is the clarity that we want to bring to the nature of Tao surfing. It's not passive. It's not disengaged. It's disengaged from things that aren't helpful. It's yeah. disengaged from things that are not productive. Mm-hmm. And it's disengaged from the lusts or the, or the false desires that the marketing world brings at us, mm-hmm. telling us that we need to drink more Coke when we didn't know we needed Coke. We just need a nice glass of water today. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we did want a Coke, but hey, hey, slow it down there with all the bombardment of desires. And then when people call, like people call me vagabond or hippie, and they think that they just said something bad about me. And I say, thank you. That's very kind of you. I like this, right? As they throw me out, you know, of their scene, uh, you know, or mm-hmm. they want to move us along or they, they want to make sure it's clear. You know, we've been in towns as we've traveled around that, well, we're not, 
we're not welcome with our attitudes or, you know, my long hair or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's a real, it's a real thing because they're saying this person doesn't have the right values. This person's, you know, a lazy bum because they're hanging out in their van. They must not be working hard, even though I'm working 60 hours a week <laughs> from here, people. Uh, but anyway, so I, I think, well, and I, and I think, yeah. so what you're hitting on there is it doesn't matter if popular opinion goes this way or that, right? Yes. Cause popular opinion will always be changing. Our consumeristic society will, what we're trying, what they're trying to sell us and what, what they're trying to get us to buy always has to change or else we're going to stop buying, mm-hmm. you know, certain things. So popular opinion will fluctuate and there's usually, you know, a, a story behind it or somebody that wants, you know, something from the whole situation, yeah. sell you something, whatever that is. And so, you know, I say like, if, if you appreciate, you know, the popular shoes that <laughs> that are the thing and you enjoy them and they feel comfortable and you're like yes this is this is perfect uh, you know this is great but if you just got a new pair of shoes and you don't have money and then all of a sudden they're saying oh no those are yesterday's shoes you need these shoes now yeah. i don't know maybe you don't like think the about server doesn't <laughs> buy that nonsense you know like you should probably just have bought the the right shoe that felt good and and i i would say too there is a difference between um minimalism and, you know, like the being too frugal or that the scarcity concept. This stinginess. The stinginess. That's the or, word I was or, looking or for. Or beating yourself up. You right. know, I mean, the, the Franciscans, for instance, when they talked about poverty, they weren't saying that it's great to just be like mired in misery and, and having nothing and not being nu- you know, right. nutritionally sound. It's to say, once you release that game, once you get out of that game, you are liberated. You are happier immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, and like for me, it definitely plays out where I have, you know, we have jackets that we've bought that are really good jackets. And we, I mean, I was, we weren't even married over 25 years ago. I, you know, I have my one jacket that still doesn't look like it's been worn, right? It, yeah. it costs a good amount of money. So yeah. we were fortunate to be able, you know, to buy it. But I didn't really, I don't need another jacket beyond that one. And right. so it's not a matter of not respecting quality. Right. Sometimes the more minimalistic thing you could possibly do is buy that one good jacket that will mm-hmm. keep you warm. Buy, you know, quality tools are not a bad investment. Exactly. Yeah. Cuz you know, I find that, you know, we can so easily go through our $20 pair of jeans. Disposable you know? culture is yes. actually part of the problem. Exactly. You're not doing it right by getting a $12 shirt from one of these mall stores mm-hmm. that are made by, you know, Bangladeshi children. Right. That's going to get a hole in <laughs> it. It's not necessarily year, helping and you're you. you're out there yeah. buying another one where if you would have invested a little more money, if you have the money. Friends, that's what the man wants you to do. Buy, like, you know, disposable clothes so they can keep you, keep you right. coming, keep you flowing through with your cash that they'll give you if you work hard enough but you can never really rely on having enough because they always got to keep you hungry, yeah. you know, like those, uh, like hunting dogs or something, you know, just to keep you hungry enough to keep you moving. But you're being controlled by somebody else in that. When the Dow surfer says enough is enough, they mean enough. Mm-hmm. They're going to stay on the ground with, <laughs> yeah. with compassion, right? Enough is always enough for the Dow surfer. Yeah. And so, friends, when you come across people in your lives, or maybe you're pissed off at us. You need to set us straight. Maybe we need to be set straight. Mm-hmm. I prefer you to not uh, set us straight in a violent way. <laughs> I prefer you uh, practice what we're saying here of you know, maybe taking a deep breath and writing us a letter and explaining to us why <laughs> you know, opposing racism in, in church is, um, is deadly. It's going to kill the church. <laughs> because I will say this, this is the ironic part of it. If opposing racism in a particular church body is destroying a church from the inside out, good riddance. Yeah. Like, I don't believe that to be true, but if the church is 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 so sick... That is something that needs to be if, if, gotten if, rid of. If racism is in our DNA and it is so much a part of our DNA that we can't extract it, then we should shut the thing down. And that's fine. Of course, they're going to not be happy with because us. Because it's not real church. We're coming to dismantle your false idols. Like, there's no, yeah. like, you know, I know you're going to throw neo-Marxist at people when they're challenging the, the silliness that you've been doing. That's, what else are you going to do? What else would you say when you got caught red-handed? <laughs> yeah. All right, but we love you. It's okay. It's not too late for us to hope in you. It's not too late, friends, for us to believe that you might hope 
in you because even though all your friends might be telling you, rah, 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 let's be angry, rah, 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 hatred, rah, 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 you could have a little small part of your voice that is the Jesus voice. <laughs> you might think of it as Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket, that's Jesus Christ right there. That little conscience saying, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe instead of a lot of this, this heat and this negativity, maybe we can be agents of healing. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, we wish you well. We wish you friends. Peace upon peace. Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter no too much.